Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. Welcome to the second episode of Box Talk. I'm here with Charlie Sims. Charlie, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Charlie Sims. I am the co-owner at CrossFit Regeneration. Um, my wife and I started the gym in 2012, January, and uh, we've taken on a couple of extra owners um, over the past year or so as we've grown, and um, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how did you come to start Cross Regeneration? What what led you to the road of an affiliate? Yeah, um, well, I discovered CrossFit uh, after doing um, an Ironman, so I, I have a brief, I will call it brief history with endurance athletics. My, uh, my wife, she is incredible as a runner. She wins races and like went to school on a scholarship for running. Um, and part of the way of getting into her world when I was in college was to, uh, take up running. Um, so I poorly tried to, uh, impress her with my running abilities. Um, you know, I, I have a history with like speed sports, like football and baseball and things that require power um, and agility. And um, when I when I started doing endurance things, it really kind of took me down this trail of like, I'm just not good at these things. Um, and so to validate my experience, I, I just made it farther, right? Like coming in 9,000th on a 5K isn't very impressive, but completing a half marathon in my head was like, well, that's better. You know, completing a marathon, completing a triathlon is... A better thing. So I, I did this like very short, brief, you know, maybe a few years worth of, of endurance training. And um, when I when I finished the Ironman, I went into like a, I don't know if I'll call it a depressive place, but I, I really just stopped caring about my fitness at all. Um, it was it, it had drained me completely. You know, people watch the videos of you know finishers of the triathlon, and they they see like joy and fulfillment and excitement and satisfaction and all of these things. And I was kind of hopeful that that would be my experience, you know, signed up for the thing. I pushed the button, submit, paid them my $600 and then, um, trained for a year and a half to like go forward slowly for a long time. Um, and when I finished the race, like the race day itself wasn't that bad. It was very fun. There was a lot of people. Um, but when I finished the race, I was expecting that sense of, you know, accomplishment and all that. And all I got was relief. You know, it was like, I'm just happy that I don't have to do this anymore, really. Um, and so I, I really did just kind of traveled into a, uh, you know, back to the couch, get my Doritos and Snickers out and um, stopped caring about my fitness. And uh, man, probably two or three months in, um, I think it was October, I was having dinner with my family and my brother's best friend was over at our house. And uh he was like, Charlie, what is, what is wrong with you? You're weird. Like, I don't know. This isn't you. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm fine. Everything's good. Uh, and he's like, you should try this thing I'm doing. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And it was like underground CrossFit. This, this was 2010. Nobody was doing CrossFit in Louisville, at least. There was mm -hmm. maybe like, I think there was at the time two CrossFit gyms in the city. And they both thought they were the first one. They both opened like within weeks of each other. Oh, my gosh. Um, but it was still just like very rootsy at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't know it was CrossFit and neither did I. Um, so I, I went to this website, it was brassringfitness.com and um, there was this free tra training template. It was 12 weeks long and um, they just send you an email at the beginning of every week with here's the five workouts that you're supposed to do. Here's the rules form you're supposed to like keep up with your time, how long does it take you to complete this workout, um, or how many rounds and reps did you accomplish in this workout, things that we, as CrossFitters now, we think are like, okay, this is normal, everybody knows this, but for me, I had no idea, you know, it was like completely weird to me to like track my workouts, how long did it take me to do this, how many rounds did I get, um, and I, I remember the first one I got, it was like walk lunch, walking lunge for 400 meters, you know. I printed out the whole page, just like clicked print, and out comes one whole page, and it has three words on it, you know. <laughs> and I thought, that's dumb, you know. Mm -hmm. So I sent him a text message. I'm like, should I, like, I don't know, wear a backpack with weights in it or carry a bar, but like something to make this hard? Because a quarter mile was like, okay, that was a warm-up for the swim, you know, in the Ironman. And so, um, but I did it, and it took me like 15 minutes, you know. 
and for weeks my, my butt cheeks were sore. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, at that point I was like, okay, this is really good. I, I would rather have 15 minutes than 15 hours, mm-hmm. right? I'll, I'll take the trade off. Um, and so I really started doing it and I, I finished the 12 weeks by myself, um, just in parks, anywhere I could find like a, a place with monkey bars to do pull-ups on. And I bought my own set of like stack weight dumbbells that you could like move the weight in and out and check to determine how much weight you wanted to actually use. And so this program was minimal equipment required and just needed a track to run on and a place to do pull-ups and have your own little stuff to do. Um, so I did it and I like loved it. I mean, I felt like an athlete again. I got fast because from the Ironman, I'd like lost all of my ability to do anything except for go forward slowly. Um, and I used to play running back. Like I was a quick, really fat, like my athletic ability was high and then it went away. <laughs> um, and then CrossFit, my brass ring training was was bringing that stuff back and I was really excited about it. And so um, I asked some buddies from church. It was, it was like January at this point, so it was freezing cold. And um, I didn't like doing this stuff in parks because the bars were so freezing cold to touch. And um, so I was asking my wife, anybody have a garage that uh, that I could use? I'll train you for free. Like I was doing personal training at the time. I was like, I'll train you for free. You just got to work out with me, you know. So I was, and we just did the breast ring training again. And so there was a friend of mine, Caleb. He let us basically build a little gym in his garage. Uh, we, you know, took some ceiling tiles out of his ceiling and hung some pull-up bars for the, from the rafters. We uh, built some boxes and we, you know, we all threw in like 50 bucks and bought some weights, a couple kettlebells and things like that and did it. We met, every, you know, every couple of days. I don't think we met every morning. It was like three days a week we would meet in Caleb's garage and do CrossFit. And there was, there were eight of us that were like steady goers and then there was four or five more that came in on occasion um, but they all like got really good, like guys getting their first ever pull up in their whole life or running a mile without stopping for the first time in their whole life or something that's like, man, this is a really incredible improvement on their fitness from 12 weeks, you know, and about halfway through that second time that I did it, um, you know, it's probably four and a half, five months in. I realized that what we were doing was CrossFit. And then it was like, you know, Pandora's box opened up to me and I got to see that this is, oh my gosh, there's more to this than just the brass rings. Um, and so I, I like subscribed to the CrossFit Journal and I read every article that had been published at that point. Um, I was on their YouTube page and just watching every video I could. I'm like sitting there like taking study breaks from school, watching, you know, people work out <laughs> on my phone, you know, <laughs> like it just seems kind of like a, dorky thing to do, but I was obsessed. And, uh, I remember there was a guy who, uh, he's a current member of our gym now, Todd Pello. Um, he pulled me aside one day and he was, you know, we were just finishing up our brass ring workout and he said, Charlie, um, you ever thought about doing one of those like videos? Like you could make a video and maybe make some money from it. Kind of like P90X or Insanity. And I was like, Todd, look at me. I've got a like, face made for radio, you know? Like, um, um, no. So, uh, I said, you know, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that is, you know, Tony Horton pretty. So, like, um, but that kind of planted this tiny bug in my head because at that point I discovered CrossFit.com and I was watching there. They had, like, training videos and coaching videos every single day. And occasionally they would show up to, like, somebody's garage gym. And they were like, hey, I've got an affiliate out of my garage you know and these guys like uh i think at this point brian mckenzie ran an affiliate uh he does the crossfit endurance um, website i think he had an affiliate that he ran out of his own garage um, which was kind of interesting to me and so i was thinking you know there's only two gyms in louisville i i don't know maybe i could do that um and so basically that's the origin of our gym like a random throw together of stuff and so from that point forward i just was like you know what um, let me look into like neighborhood association rules because one, I don't, I don't own the house that I was planning on doing the training out of. Um, so it, would I need to like take on my friend Caleb as a business partner or, you know, what would we, what would the requ- requirements be for that? Um, and then, um, the conversation quickly shifted to, if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it. I can't halfway do it. Um, and so the idea of the garage gym went kind of by the wayside and we decided we were going to go 
from the garage to the garage mahal, right? Like <laughs> the garage up, mahal the upgrade, yeah. And so we, had, we ended up renting a space. Um, I took out uh, as many loans as I personally could, which I don't know that if I were to advise myself five years ago that I would say do that. But um, you know, I, I got business loans, I got uh, personal loans. We took out a line of credit on our condo to be able to purchase um, the equipment we needed and the down payment on our things, all the stuff that we had to do. And, um, and then we hustled, you know, me and my wife and a couple friends, we, all the people that I was doing personal training with joined the gym immediately, uh, because they were getting a pretty huge drop in price for the same training. Ultimately, um, they were doing, uh, you know, three days a week, one-on-ones with me, which cost them quite a bit. And then to join a membership of 125 was quite a bit of a discount. So, uh, they were happy to join and they were happy to talk it up to their friends. Um, and we, we started out uh, fairly slow, I would say, um, but by the time you know, after a year or so, we were we were kind of pumping along, doing okay. Not not making tons of money, but you know, the idea was great. It was <laughs> you were surviving? I, I wasn't starving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dang. Well, th- that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So, um, some of you might be thinking, like, who the heck is this Charlie guy, and why is he on this podcast? Um, if you didn't catch it from him just sharing his personal story of becoming an affiliate, Charlie is a very honest person. And about a year and a half ago, he actually wrote a blog for Box Pro called The Confessions of a CrossFit Owner. Mm-hmm. And uh, that blog really took off because I think of your honesty and just your truth behind it. And I think a lot of affiliates felt the same way. And so with this podcast launching, it'd be I thought it'd be a great idea to have Charlie on and just get a little real about <laughs> owning an affiliate, mm-hmm. um, which I think he uh, has just started to do already without me even asking. So... Kudos to you. That's right. I know. I know no other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, um, I guess one of the questions I have for you is: you just shared like how you opened up your box, and then you said that you decided that you had to go all in. It was either all or nothing, yeah. basically. And what has that meant? I mean, because sometimes people are like, "Well, I just kind of want to dip my toes in the water. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a little afraid." What did it mean to take that risk for your business? You think that's led you to where you are today? Yeah, good question. I've I've tried a lot of things in the past where I kind of said, "I'm I'm going to leave a back door for myself just in case I change my mind or want to do something different." And um, every time I've taken that option, and I just know how weak-minded I am. Um, and when the things get hard, which they've happened multiple times over the course of these past four and a half years or so, um, if there was a back door, I'm, I'm very confident I probably would have ran through that back door, um, you know, with my tail between my legs. But uh, so like, you know, my dad and I were speaking about this before we opened and he's, he was telling me, you know, you're, you're taking all of your money that you've never made yet <laughs> um, and investing it in this possibility. Um, there's no going back. And we talked about that for a long time. Um, and my dad, my dad is a humongous supporter of me. Like he, he shows me and tells me how like much he is behind me on these things all the time. And that really gave me a lot of confidence that I could go forward with it. But at the same time, like that bridge had to be burned. Like I had to burn the bridge behind me and say, I'm never going back there. Um, because, you know, we, we spent the first six months of the gym, like building things and getting no money. Like we, we moved in with my wife's parents, um, rented out our condo and that was our income, um, for the first six months that we were open. And then, you know, my first paycheck was $500 that I gave myself from the gym. And, uh, that was, you know, that was six months in. (laughs) And so like had, had I had a back door, I I think it would have been very easy for me to just been like, you know what, uh, let's cut ties with all these things. And, um, save my losses as much as possible. But like that endurance and that grit, I think with, with no option for leaving it behind was, was the savior for the situation. I would have otherwise taken it. I think. Yeah, no, no, that makes, that makes sense. Um, yeah. If you give yourself a way out, typically you'll mm-hmm. take it. So, um, and you mentioned, you know, the, since these four years you've been open, mm-hmm. um, you've faced multiple hardships and I'm, Sure, there are more to come. Yay. But can you maybe go into some of those um, hardships that you've had to overcome as an owner that 
um, yeah, you've been able to see, find success in or learn from mm-hmm. or build your business from? Yeah. Uh, well, one thing, first of all, comes to mind. We had, um, I w- one of my mentors was always telling me, he's like, you've got to, you know, work yourself out of the job, right? Like there's all these business books and all these things that talk about like creating systems and processes that give you a chance to like actually lead the organization rather than having your hands stirring the pot all the time. And so that was kind of, okay, year one is survive. Year two is like begin to build a team. And I started really trying to build a team of, you know, staff, coaches, um, assistants, things like that, people that I could rely on to, um, you know, to help kind of manage the boat. And over the course of one weekend, um, two of my coaches decided they didn't want to keep coaching anymore. Um, one, um, one, well, and keep coaching with me, we'll say that. Um, one took a job as a CrossFit coach at another gym locally, and then uh, the other decided she wanted to start her own affiliate and did that. And so, you know, I don't want to be bitter about those things, but at the same time, like, I'm stuck with, like, these classes that they that they had taken responsibility for um, and these programs that they owned from me. Um, and when I say own, obviously, I mean, they, they kind of ran and operated rather than... Uh, and so I didn't have to do those things. And then, you know, the same weekend I got a call and I'm like, okay, uh, now I've got to do those things again. Um, and it, it really... It changed my current schedule again. Um, I had, I had begun the gym working, you know, from the both sides of the clock. I was there all day, every day, running the classes, and then also managing all the business stuff as much as I knew how to do it at the beginning. I didn't know how to do it at all. Um, but when they left, I was thrown back into that situation where I was uh, back to both sides of the clock, um, very kind of stretched thin. And at that point, we'd had quite a big boost. Our, our numbers were, were greater uh, for total number of members. And so the, the workload was quite a bit heavier anyway. Um, and so that was that was a hard hit to, to me personally. One, because it was like, I felt like I'd failed them. Um, what is it about how I do things? What is it about my gym that makes it, you know, the grass being so much greener at these other places or these other opportunities that they saw? And so, I mean, I've, I've had conversations with these people since then, and they were like, you know, I'm sorry, it wasn't anything against you. I just had to do this because it was better for me. And um, and I can appreciate that, but at the same time, I still kind of wonder sometimes about what would I have done different, what could I have done differently, or or, or or how could we have maintained this relationship or set, or set it up to be a better potential for them to stay. And so that would be kind of the first thing that comes to mind is like, when people leave and we've also had I've had coaches leave you know people that you spend time investing in and cultivating that kind of excellence as a teacher and as a coach and as a communicator and all these things and they become really good and then they leave (laughs) you know and so that that's that's frustrating but it comes with it right when we opened we were the third gym in the city and now there's almost 30 so uh, Louisville has blown up with CrossFit. Um, Good job, Louisville. Yeah, well done. <laughs> so, uh, but that's that, that's what comes with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Other gyms need coaches too, and if if our coaches are being recruited, that tells me that we have good coaches. So, yeah. I hope they stay. You know. Yeah. Do you find? Because sometimes people like you know if if they're if they're quit on or you know people leave them. I mean, do you find that you you fear investing in people? I did for a little while, yeah. Um, it it got me a little bit gun shy um, with that. I also uh, maybe an an example to go along with that idea was um, we had a uh, right when one newer gym opened up, um, it was closer in proximity to a lot of our members, and they there was a very quick like couple thousand dollars of monthly revenue walked out our door, and these people were like deeply invested members of our community so like people who you know when you think about the folks who show up on a regular basis to your gym that was them um and over the course of five or six months they all kind of just like lemmings walked out the door and um and i was i was hurt by that personally um and i think i mentioned it in the in the article the confessions article um i don't think i mentioned it specifically but it was a lot related to uh, these people that I'd invested quite a bit of relational capital with, um, 
time and energy and effect and just all, I was considering myself their mentor and their coach and then they left to go to another gym and it, it hurt uh, which made it difficult for me to going forward to say you know what this person who's walking in the door for the first time I need to spend that kind of effort and attention and energy on them even though there's a potential for them to walk away after I've given them all I have you know um, and so I think that comes as like the lessons. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a lessons of a CrossFit gym owner next time. Yeah, there we um, go. <laughs> of like, the reality is we run a luxury product. People, ha- this is their, this is where they spend their, you know, extra money on, right? I don't have, I'm not like a gas company, gasoline company, where people have to buy it. They don't have a choice. Um, they can take their, you know, business wherever they want, and um, that's up to them. As my my job and my role is to give them the best experience I can while they are currently investing in my, you know, my space, my gym. Mm-hmm. So, um, and not putting manipulative expectations on people for like, hey, you should stay at my gym because I've invested in you. Like that, that's not fair to them. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't do anything. They just do what they do and they do what they want to do. And it's up to me to make sure that their value that they're getting from their experience is more than what they're paying and more than what they could pay somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that really answered Yeah, no, no, that was good. So how, how have you built this value that you give to people. I mean, I'm sure it's been a slow go and you're continually adding things and looking at, you know, changing things. Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you determine that the value you're giving them is the value that the ship that they deserve, they I deserve. guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, everything has a price tag on it. Like you can't just like say this is worth this and it is. But like for me, that was the hardest thing. I didn't, I've never owned a business before. I've never even owned a company before. Those are the same thing. I've never, <laughs> I've never managed anything. We besides, know what you mean. Yeah. I've never managed anything except for myself. Like we, I've worked at jobs before and I've had, you know, responsibilities at places, but like to determine what things are supposed to be was a very, very long and slow process. And we're still dealing with that right now. Um, you know, so like, how do you know what to charge for your membership? How do you know what is important for people to do? And how do we structure these things? Like, I've had to take on mentors, um, which are part of my other articles that I've written about <laughs> with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, these people have the idea, they, they have the structure that can put to place the ideas that I have. Um, and so, you know, our going rate is what it is. And we just want to make sure that um, what we give in exchange for that rate is of higher value than what that dollar is, right? So I, I think I read an article one time it was talking about like, if I'm, you know, buying a cup of coffee and the coffee is $5, you know, and I'd be glad to pay. And it's like, this is the only coffee stand at this place. And they're charging $5. It's the choice of do I want coffee or not? Mm-hmm. Not do I want to pay $5 for this coffee? Um, and that's where the idea of a monopoly comes in. Um, but like if I'm in a situation where I'd be happy to pay $3 for a cup of coffee and they only charge a dollar fifty for it, then I'm getting more value than what I'm at, than what I'm giving for it. Um, and that's the plan, the plan for our gym. Like we always want to be giving more than we're taking, um, because that kind of creates a little bit of security for us knowing that people aren't going anywhere. Um. And so the, the, the question you asked was like, how do we determine that? I don't know. It's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it comes from, we've been doing it for four and a half years now, and we've had to determine what is and isn't the going rate for what we have. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and you, you've changed your prices over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've changed our prices multiple times. And how has that gone? Because sometimes that can be probably a really tough subject for mm-hmm. your members to digest it. Like, hey, we're we have to do this because of the value that we're giving you. How do you even begin to approach that situation? Yeah, it's very tender. <laughs> it's very tender because, you know, it, like I said, it is a value. It's a, a luxury product that people are choosing to purchase, you know, that they could 
decide any any minute that they want to <clears throat> take that value or that uh, luxury purchase and send it spend it somewhere else. You know, uh, I don't like this CrossFit gym anymore because they raised the price. I'd rather use my extra money on you know booze and sports center or <laughs> whatever they want to do. Yeah, so like okay. um, my. Yeah, we have raised our prices a couple times um, because our product has gotten quite a bit better. I realized, like, day one when we opened the gym, I had very, very little idea about what the heck I was doing, right? Um, <laughs> I think I think a lot of affiliates could agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Sims didn't know what he was doing. Um, and and so like, what was worth one hundred and twenty dollars or one hundred and ten dollars four years ago? is much different now. It's much different now. Um, you know, granted the fact that we have 30 other gyms in the city that our, our pricing is kind of having to be in relation to that. Um, but they, you know, that when I remember the last time we, we had always grandfathered people into their current price, right? When they joined, they got grandfathered into a rate. And that was a huge mistake for me as a gym owner. Um, because we thought it was like, hey, we're going to show loyalty to these people, right? And we've, I've shown that loyalty can't be expected by somebody who's paying for a luxury product. Um, it can be hoped for. I think that that's not wrong at all to, to hope for it, but it can't be expected. Um, and so, you know, it, w- it wouldn't be fair for me. So, for one, for example, um, we, ha- we had a military discount, military and fire and police discount uh, for service professionals there that... Um, it was $65 a month. It was almost half the price of our membership. Um, because we, I'm like, I've never served in the military. I've not done that. Um, and this is kind of a way for me to say thank you for them. And we do have a discount still, but it can't be that much. Like it can't be half the price that a, you know, a teacher is paying. Um, and so because the cost of their experience at the gym is still the same for me one way or another. And one thing that I've had, to help people understand is that that discount comes from me. Like it doesn't come, you know, from the business. It comes from me because that's that's the profit that we're having to take as a company. Um, the rest of those bills have to get paid. The bills of the overhead and the staff and payroll and all those things have to get paid. And so if I'm giving a discount, it comes from my own personal income. Um, and in addition to that, a discount itself is only felt the first time, right? As you, you as a consumer, when you get, you know, $25 off, you're like, oh, great, that feels great. You know, I feel like I'm getting a discount. But then that's the that's the value of that product from there on out for you. Um, and so if I'm like going back in time and saying to Charlie four years ago, this is what you should do, it's you can, you can do deals and things like that. Um, as a, as a way of giving people a chance to taste the gym and to feel the experience of the of CrossFit and um, see the pro, see the change that can happen from it, but it can't be an expectation that that be forever their rate. Um, so like our most recent change was about a year ago. Um, we made it our target to try and update the pricing for everyone, um, and we've had to make small tweaks to that expectation as well um, as we've been going but the feedback from that was like absolutely horrible and I like started to turn gray like my hair was going gray that week um, because it was like these people are all threatening to leave because I'm asking for 20 extra dollars from them per month Um, and so the experience is better the setting is quite a bit better we've moved into a a newer location that was like beautiful uh, is we're there still um, is it's beautiful and it is much bigger and more you know more comfortable and there's quite a bit the the whole thing is better the coaching experience is better than it was the um, the community feel is quite a bit more robust than it was we have different opportunities for people to train in there's you know it, the the entire product that we offer is head over heels better than what it was when we opened and even two years in um, and so the price has to reflect that and um, but there was massive feed, massive negative feedback for the, the situation of changing prices um, so anyway that I think for me 
that was a very difficult, uh, difficult experience. Um, and, you know, I think our membership appreciated the fact that, like, I listened to them and their concerns. Yeah, you, you sat down with them. Mm-hmm. You, like, held a meeting where people were able to come and mm-hmm. talk to you and yeah. ask questions. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a relationship business. Like, I, I think I mentioned this in the article. Like, I love the people at my gym. Like, I don't, I don't see them as my kids because I'm not old enough. But, like, <laughs> I, I feel like it's more like a mentoring relationship. Um, and so I've, I've started to like invest more time in creating content for them, like writing articles and making videos and things like that to kind of help bring them along because, you know, the, the ideal, uh, would be that they don't need me to thrive. Um, they don't need us as a gym to thrive. Um, if that means that we get to keep them for three years instead of 20 years, then that's to me that's okay if I've if I've equipped somebody to function and thrive on their own, um, because there's always going to be more people. There's a, we've got a million people in Louisville, and it's not like I'm trying to replace my gym, but I have to bring new people in every month, you know. Um, and so considering that type of a uh, a relationship, that type of a perspective on those people, um, my goal there is that they would appreciate the you know, the investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's cool to hear, like, that's your perspective now versus, you know, what had been maybe at the start when, mm-hmm. you know, people were leaving. You're like, why don't they like me? Yeah. And I know yeah. um, you've said before um, that you're, you're trying to, like, work yourself out of the gym, basically, mm-hmm. and you, you don't want people to need you necessarily. And um, it, it was within the past year that you brought on a co-owner, mm-hmm. is that correct? Yeah. So how has that change allowed you to uh, maybe focus more on the business as a whole versus like just always being in the business? Because I know it's freed up your time. And what is that? What has that allowed you to do in terms of being a business owner? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I get to be with my family some. That's always, is, uh, always positive. It was, a rare, it was a rare thing at first. I remember first year <clears throat> we were open. Um, my wife and I went to Target. Like we just were like, we had to go get something and we went to Target and I saw other people in the parking lot and I saw other people in the, in the store. And I'm like, it, it got me kind of emotional. Like I'm standing there and I'm like, I realized at that moment that I was fairly, like I was depressed, mm-hmm. I think, because I had spent 99% of my waking life inside those walls of the gym and... I didn't see other people, right? The only other time I saw any other individuals besides the members of my gym and my family were at church. Um, And so, you know, taking on another owner and having coaches that work for me um, and staff that work for me, like it has, I mean, it's cost a lot of money, to be honest. Like if I still tried to do everything, I would probably run myself ragged, but I'd have all kinds of money. Um, But like, it's given me freedom. It's bought me, it's bought me, that's a word. It's bought me some freedom <laughs> to, uh, to, to think about the company, to think about the mentoring of my clients rather than just training them, you know, as you show up to my gym and I'll train you today. Like that's what the coaches are there for. And I do coach some, but those coaches are there to train the clients. Um, my, my responsibility now is to organize that training to think about the best ways to organize our programming and to think long-term about that instead of just like the week before. Um, to think about structuring our, our systems to make things simple and easy and efficient for people. Um, it's given me the, the ability to, uh, to think about that content that I want to give them, like the, the writing and the, um, the videos and those kinds of things. Um, and in addition to that, it's given me an opportunity to be uh, a real person that exists outside of the walls of my gym. Um, so, you know, I have rhythms now about my life. I, I, I go out and do things in public <laughs> that I couldn't do. You know, Not just Target anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't know when the last time I've been to real Target. <laughs> you know, I go to Starbucks and I, and I read and I write and I, you know, I work, I, I operate a small group at my church. Um, you know, I invest in people in other ways as well. And so like, what this gives me is just the freedom now to uh, 
to be a real person, a completed person rather than just like, I'm just this gym guy, you know? Mm. Was that a hard mindset to change? Because probably when you started out, you thought, I'm going to be coaching, I'm going to be, you know, training people. And now it's like you're doing more maybe on the business side. Was that hard to change? Yes. Yes, it was huge. Like, um, I I feel like it was a freight train, you know, the inertia of a freight train. Like, it takes a long time for it to slow down and stop. Um, And I had built up this head of steam of if I, you know, I felt like, so here's kind of the peak inside my brain. Like, I felt like my gym... And I kind of still feel like this sometimes. Um, my gym is on a river, and the river is floating towards terrible. Oh. Right? It's just like flowing with a current towards terrible. And it's my job to get the oar in the water and go the opposite direction. Right? It's my job to keep that river from pulling me down towards terrible, uh, or pulling it, the gym, down towards terrible. Um, and so, you know creating these systems begins to create more rewards and um, creating and adding these great staff and adding, you know, good competent coaches uh, or building good competent coaches rather um, is more oars in the water. And, you know, if you just leave it alone, if you leave the company alone, if you leave it, like don't address the problems when they show up, then it will before long sink down into this, you know, the end of the river, which is terrible. (laughs) And uh, you know, it won't, it won't just like automatically self-correct. Um, it's probably tiring if you're just trying to paddle on your own. If it's just me paddling by myself, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to get against the current. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get more oars in the water and that gives me a chance to build a motor, you know. Well, Whoa, we just, great we just, analogy there. took that analogy a long way. <laughs> long way up river. Accidentally genius right there. <laughs> Just say it was purposeful. Mm-hmm. And people will believe you. I've so. thought about that for days. <laughs> I've been prepping for this podcast and <laughs> coming up with that analogy. So you you talk about like building, you know, those other oars, those other mm-hmm. staff members. How has that gone for you? What have kind of been the struggles in finding those um, those coaches and those other staff members that really have uh, solidified, you know, what your gym is going towards? It's vi- not only your company's vision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's thriving culture and, you know, what what has that been like? Yeah, I think, um, and this is where it was hard for me at first. I think I wanted to make sure that the people that I hired or brought on to teach were like the best knowledge-based fitness people that I could find. And that's still like, that's a high level goal. Like that's something that I want to aim at with every person we bring on. But um, anybody can learn that stuff. It is not hard to learn how to teach a squat. It is not how it's not hard to find out find these resources and the knowledge base that you need to understand how to help somebody to lose twenty pounds. Like those are those are free resources you can get anywhere. Um, and so we've started to kind of shift our our eyes towards the kind of people that people like to be around. Um, I want to, I want, so our, our aim as a company, we always say we want people to feel safe. And by safe, we have two things in mind. Um, one is physical safety. So that's where the competency comes in. I want my coaches to know what they're talking about. Um, we're not going to hurt people. <laughs> but the other part is emotional and psychological safety, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to embarrass you in front of your friends. I'm not going to single you out in a class and show everybody, hey, watch this girl do this thing wrong and don't do that, right? Like, you're going to feel safe, like safe as in I'm, I'm comfortable with these people. I could sleep in this room and nobody's going to mess with me, you know. Um, be very uncomfortable, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, good old rubber floors. <laughs> but that, that's the kind of ideal as far as safety that we want to maintain. Um, we want people to feel safe. We want people to have fun, right? If you have fun doing CrossFit, then you're not going to stop doing it. Um, and then we also want you to enjoy the people you're doing it with. Um, if those three things are present, uh, there is no possible way that you will ever not get your goals, <laughs> right? In any world, that, that works. If one of those three things are missing, if you don't feel safe, if you don't like it, or if you don't like the people you're doing it with, you're gone. You're gone. I don't care how strong your motivation is towards your goal, you'll figure out a way around it. We will leave the, you know, the perfect situation with somebody we don't like or due to somebody we don't like. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so when I'm looking for, when I'm like trying to develop staff, I'm trying to develop people into a model of this is the kind of person I want you to be. This is the kind of attitude I want you to keep. This is the kind of, you know, presentation of yourself that I want to maintain in the groups um, so that these people smile more, so that these people enjoy their experience more. And um, from that, they'll keep coming. And by keep coming, they'll keep, they'll keep improving, they'll keep progressing. Has it been hard to instill that kind of belief and, and culture within your coaches? Or has it just been like a slow roll? Has it been easy? I think I've maybe just tried to find the easiest way to go about that, and that is to find people who are already of that way. Because hmm. um, you typically find coaches within the membership. Yeah, yep. Um, so, you know, I, I like to plant little seeds. Have you ever thought about coaching? You know, <laughs> think about maybe like going and getting your level one or whatever. Off, off the cuff. Uh-huh. By the way. Yeah. So, but like if somebody's just too intense about stuff and too serious about it all, they probably won't get a chance with us. Um, they need to be able to smile and they need to be able to have a good time and tell a joke or two. Um, we can we can help kind of steer those jokes sometimes if those jokes become like something that you're like, this is a family environment, you know, <laughs> be good, don't use the F word, um, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but if they're the kind of person that, I've enjoyed doing CrossFit with, then I can teach them how to teach CrossFit. Yeah. No, so that makes I'm not going to try and change somebody's personality. I'm not going to try and change somebody's mannerisms. Like that, uh, that won't happen. You know, you just can't change a person. It's not my responsibility. They have to, to be want to be, they yeah. have to want to change. Yeah. You can't change them. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's crazy. So, um, and as we've been talking, like, I love how you've mentioned it, like, not just, like, your your gym, but your company. I think that's been really cool that, like, you call it your company because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's what it is. And uh, when you first started out, you probably didn't have that mentality. No. <laughs> and how has that evolved to where it's become something more than, I don't know, company just seems like this good word to use. Like, I don't know how to describe it, yeah. you know? Well, when I, when I first started, it was about the coaching. I want, to ha- I want to have a gym so that I can be a coach, right? And, like, one of my mentors we were talking about at the, at the time, um, he was like, I want you to write down a list of all of the things that suck the life out of you about this business. And so I did. And, I, and all of them were business stuff. It was like bookkeeping, <laughs> you know, uh, payroll, and paying the bill. Anything that was yeah, that, business that and business. Too. Yeah, all, all these things. Like, and... Long-term planning was part of that. Mm. Um, all I wanted to do was stand in the gym and teach people how to squat, right? Like, that's what I wanted to do. That's why I got a gym. That's why I got into coaching. It's because I wanted to, I like those light bulb moments for people. Um, and so, so as I was developing that, like learning that, like the change happened when I realized that I can't do this long-term. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's unsustainable for me to juggle all these things uh, because eventually one of the balls is going to fall and, I'm gonna, and, and then that means all the rest of the balls are going to fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hiring coaches and getting myself out from the, the pot stirring, if you will, um, gave me the chance to do all the things that sucked the life out of me. Um, and I realized that they didn't suck the life out of me. Um, I think part of my, well, I prayed a lot about that and I asked God to give me a joy with those things because I didn't like just suffering through just terrible crap. <laughs> um, and he did. And I think that that was the, that was the turning point for me was when I start to get an interest in the business elements of it and understanding that, um, yes, my reason for opening a company was opening a gym was to change people's lives, right? I wanted to see people who were like on a road towards dying because of their health, cho- their health choices change that pattern and, and become thriving. Um, I wanted that to happen. And, and I realized over the course of time that the best way that I could ensure that that would happen is to get myself out of the way mm-hmm. and to just build systems, to build the program that people could plug into mm-hmm. um, because my coaches can do a better job than I can on these things. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I get in the way and I do all the stuff, I'm, one, I'm stealing from them the opportunity to help tra- transform somebody's life and I'm stealing from myself the 
overwhelming majority of my time that could be spent on things that actually go towards creating a system that will transform people's lives. Um, and so when I think about it as like a company, like for me, the, the distinction came down to, can I see it as a whole picture instead of just this little thing? You know, I need to, granted, I have to be able to make the money. I, 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 I got to pay for my life. I have to pay for those coaches. I've got to pay for that beautiful building that we're in. Those kinds of things are there and they're required. Um, but the, the excitement for me comes when, when I see something built that didn't exist before and now people are smiling and people's lives are different because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and speaking of the, the beautiful building mm-hmm. that <laughs> your gym is now in, um, I know it was about a year, a year ago now. A year ago just now? a little over a year. Just a little yeah. over a year. Um, can you just give uh, some insight into that move and what was it like to? Was that your first move with the gym? Yes. Yeah. And what that move looked like, and maybe even some lessons you learned from moving spaces. Because I know as, as affiliates grow, they're going to have to move and they're going to have to go through something yeah. similar. CrossFit changed a lot from 2012 till now. There's been some enormous transitions in the expectations of the clients, the expectations of the gyms, the cultures, those kinds of things. Um, what started as this like underground, you know, kind of dirty, you got to have like really angry music playing all the time. Like that, that's what CrossFit was when I discovered it first. Like in Caleb's garage, we had like leaves, dog hair and Metallica. Like, I mean... Sweet. And Great so, combination. <laughs> like, you know, they open the garage door and in comes all the trash from outside. So, like, we had to, like, we'd take our shirts off and, like, slap the floor open so we've got some space to do burpees on. Um, keeping the place vacuumed wasn't a consideration for us. Um, and painting definitely wasn't. It was just, hey, we've got the stuff and we've got the coaches and we can do this, you know. And so when we found that space that we moved into originally, our first home, um, I... Loved it. It was perfect year one, you know, and then over time, the needs of the clients changed and the expectations of the clients changed is, you know, hey, you you have to clean the bathroom every day, Hmm. right? You have to let's let's get this floor, you know, the chalk stains off the floor every day. Like these are requirements now. Um, You know, I remember in my office at the old gym, I had this like I wanted to be able to see out. The, the at the office when I close the door so we were going to put in a window and we just left it as a hole it was just the window <laughs> hole like and that wasn't a big deal until yeah. it became a big deal mm-hmm. um, and so like this, the need to find a better more suitable location for ourselves was becoming more and more urgent um, and I looked for a year like I was really hustling to find a space for a full year that would be suitable for us. Um, and at, at the point that we finally found the place we're in right now, I was kind of getting to the place where I was like, well, maybe there's nothing better. I'm going to take this place. And, you know, it, it, it was really frustrating to find a spot. Um, everywhere that we looked was like, we don't want a CrossFit gym. You guys are too loud. Oh, really? Or we don't want a CrossFit gym because you run outside and use the parking lot. We have trucks that mm-hmm. come through here. Um, or we, we don't want a CrossFit gym because we don't like CrossFit, you know, like whatever their reasons were, we had a lot of that. Um, and fortunately for me, uh, my current landlord, like they recruited me, they found out that we were looking to find a space and they said, will you use the gym on the weekends? I said, yeah, we want you here. On the weekends. We, it was the fact that we were going to be there on the weekends because they had become, uh, People were coming in and like trying to salvage metal out of the parking lot. Like there was stuff that, uh, you know, scrappers, people would come by with their pickups and like search through the dumpsters to try and find metal things so that they could go scrap it. Um, They're like, use the gym on the weekends. I'm glad the fact that you guys have a lot of cops that work out at your gym, you know, (laughs) because I think that they were seeing that it was just an issue. And he gave me a great deal on the, on the place. Mm -hmm. They did a whole lot of, of uh, build out to help make it look nice. Um, and then it was up to us to get the, you know, tons of equipment, literally tons, moved from the old space into the new. And that was just a logistical puzzle that we had to put together of uh, let's put the mats down first. Let's then decide, you know, we had already made a decision on how the rig was going to be put up against the walls. Um, 
where the things were going to be. It was just, at that point, it was just plug and play. Um, and it happened in a weekend, so it was <laughs> it was a long, very difficult weekend. But yeah. by the time the weekend was over, we had a throwdown that, you know, that Friday night. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. No, and, and since then, um, you've, you've done quite a lot to the gym, mm-hmm. haven't you? Like, in terms of kind of making it your own and creating what you call a third space yeah. and artwork and... I don't know. It seems like it's home now. Yeah. Yeah, we have, well, we have talented people, which is great. Um, one of my interns is, a, I mean, he's a mural expert. And so we, uh, you know, he, he put our logo on the wall in a couple different places and did some things. And um, we have the 100 Fitness in 100 Words right by the entrance, um, which is kind of fun for people to see when they come in and out of the gym. Um, right now we're getting one over the uh, wall ball targets. It says, the blind and relentless pursuit of excellence. It's a Greg Glassman quote. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm excited about that. The, the whole idea of the third place you brought up, um, that's, a, that's a psychology concept, right? For American culture, most people have their first place. It's home. They're, you know, most comfortable there. You can take your shoes off and not be embarrassed, like those kinds of things. Um, second place is work, right? I'm at your work right now. Like, you have to come here. You don't have a choice. You have to get along with I these do, people. I do have to come here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But most Americans tend to have a third place, and that is like where you have your people, right? And I got air quotes going on. Your people are, uh, we got inside jokes together, and we speak the same language, we have similar goals about life, we have similar lifestyles, those kinds of things. And I just feel like these people are my people. Um, And that might be like a bar or a coffee shop, that might be your church, Uh, but for a lot of the people in CrossFit, like it's their gym. And at our old place, we had really no spot to store all the people when they weren't working out. And people just wanted to hang out. They wanted to stay and hang out with their friends and talk about life and talk about things. Most of the time it was CrossFit. But like the when we were kind of de- designing the layout for our, our new home where we're at now, one of the biggest priorities was we want a place that people can be. And they can be together where there's not like loud music playing and barbells dropping right next to where they're standing. Um, and so we have, I think it's like 700 square feet dedicated in our gym to, uh, to just some couches and chairs and a place for people to be. Um, and it's great. I mean, that's where we have our pro shop where we sell our T-shirts and drinks and things like that. But people hang out there for hours and just talk. And they talk about life. They talk about things. And that's where um, I think that's where the majority of our community is actually had is in that room um, before or after their their classes over with. Mm-hmm. I haven't even seen a growing trend in that type of third space. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah I've just, the more affiliates I've talked to and the more gyms I've gone to, I've, I've seen these like lounges, these, mm-hmm. these types. Actually, um, the March April issue across at Belltown, they have like their own lounge and this race platform. <laughs> they have whiskey that you can drink while you sip on where you can watch people work out. Yeah, so you should think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we are in Kentucky. We are in Kentucky. Get some bourbon going world, on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's just a growing trend that people are realizing that, I mean, this community that they're building in the workout needs to take place, you know, maybe outside the workout, mm-hmm. but still at their gym. Yeah. So it's interesting. So what has been in terms of like the new location and the third the third place, like what has your membership response been to that? Like, has it been worth it with all the move and all of the change? Like, what has that been like? Yes. So first of all, uh, as far as like the old space, we were limited to being able to really only do one thing at a time, right? Because of the layout of our gym, the fact that we only had one room for exercise, um, we could do a CrossFit class or something else. There was never an opportunity to do a CrossFit class and something else. And so in this new space, the way that it's laid out, we can have two, sometimes three unique programs happening simultaneously. Um, And so it's given us the opportunity to kind of build new revenue streams for our company, Um, create opportunities for other people's lives to get transformed. So like uh, we didn't have a real privilege for a CrossFit Kids program. Um, which now we do, we've got a thriving CrossFit Kids program. Um, there's weightlifting, and there's our women's only groups called Misfits, and there's all kinds of things that we've got going on that are secondary or different to our just, you know, basic CrossFit program. And so we couldn't do that in the old space uh, legitimately. 
I mean, we could throw in a Misfits. We did a Misfits class or a kids class, but it was like three in the afternoon or two in the afternoon when 90% of the people in Louisville are at work. Um, and so it limited our scope by a lot. But like now we've got that opportunity. Um, as far as members are concerned, like the people's response to this place is, are, is great. So like I had one guy, he walked in when we first moved in, he goes, Charlie, this is beautiful. <laughs> this is so beautiful. And he like kind of got like whimpery, you know, when oh, he was saying did you get emotional? I don't think he was really being serious, but it, it, got, it got me a little happy. I was like, that's nice to hear, you know, um, because it's such a transfer from like where we were before. The other place was in like, we've had other people who've said, sometimes I miss the dirty old space, you know, like, like what is wrong with you? Like, why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, yeah. uh, you know, it, to them, they felt like this was our home. Like, this was where yeah. I started CrossFit. And I kind of, I sometimes miss the garage. Like, mm-hmm. personally for me, like, going back and I drive by Caleb's house every now and then. He doesn't live there anymore. Somebody else now does. But, uh, you know, I drive by the house every now and then. And I'm like, hmm. I remember mm-hmm. carrying a punching bag down the, <laughs> down, the, uh, down the street over to the stop sign. And cars driving by looking at us funny. You know, like, <laughs> those were fun. Like, I'm... Yeah. I, that was fun days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they have those similar memories to the old space. Mm-hmm. And I'll always have a tender place in my mind and my heart towards, you know, the old gym. But uh, this place we're at now is, it's a, a head over heels better. It's yeah. a thousand percent better than what that other space was. Well, like you said, I mean, even the, the expectations of people has changed, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, you kind of had to change with the expectation that. We have air conditioning now. We have heating now that is expensive <laughs> but but it's something that is worth it for me to make the you know make the workout a little more durable uh doable and a little more enjoyable for people i remember there was one day we it was like september 1st or the end of august something like that and we were doing a hero wad in the old gym and it i was like where are the macaws and jaguars because it's like a jungle in here you know the the place felt like a, a rainforest you know there was like you could see the air it was so thick and you'd slide on the floor because there was so much sweat. Like, the place we're in now, that doesn't happen anymore. There's still sweat on the floor, and there's still it's still hot, and it's still uncomfortable because CrossFit's hard, but we're not unnecessarily putting people in an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense, and I'm sure your members appreciate it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um but I guess kind of kind of to start wrapping up a little bit, um, mm-hmm. are there any other uh, lessons or hardships that you were thinking about wanting to share in terms of like what affiliates could really learn from your experience? And that was a very broad question, but uh, is there anything else that you think that affiliates should really know about opening a gym and turning it into a thriving company? Um, I have a lot of people who ask me uh, if they should open a CrossFit gym. So there's people who I, who I used to you know work with in personal training companies with, or uh, people who uh, just know me from the community itself, and uh, they ask me they're like, so is it worth it to pay the fee to be a CrossFit gym? And I'm like, it's worth it if you believe in CrossFit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you think that CrossFit is the best way to do it, then yes, it's three thousand dollars, or I think I don't know if it's more now, but that's how much my affiliate dues are. Um, three thousand dollars per year is way worth it uh, because I, I completely, I can implicitly believe in CrossFit um, as the best way of getting fit. I've tried all kinds of different ways and CrossFit wins. Um, but if you don't, if you don't 100% believe in this, if you think that like, I'm just going to plaster the word CrossFit on my logo and because of that I'll get more people to come in here, it's not worth it. Um, so, like, th- that's a big question mark for a lot of my friends that are wanting to do this. Uh, second thing that comes to mind is you have to have a mentor. That's, like, more, more important than buying your first barbell, you know. It's more important than having rowers in your gym or GHDs. It's more important than having somebody to do your bookkeeping for you. Like, pay for a mentor. Go find somebody who's willing to invest time and energy in you. Um, I have two currently. Um, and it's it's worth it, and then the oh crap I had a third thing and I can't remember what it is. Um, Sorry, the first two were pretty good. I can't remember the third one. <laughs> I 
can't remember the third one. I, it's just, uh, it's okay. It's not that important. Yeah. So, but no, I think, I think realizing that you need someone that you can go to and talk to about your business who has experience and you can bounce ideas off of and bring your issues to and you can really talk it through. I think that's important. And um, some people might see as like, well, I, I, you know, I can do this on my own. I can be strong and I don't need this. But mm -hmm. I think that's becoming more of a reality for a lot of people is like, yeah, it's, it's time to get a mentor. It's yeah. time to find someone that can help me through this. I wasted almost three years mm. of just trying to figure it all out on my own and really just wish I had, you know, that's the big advice I'd give four years ago, Charlie, is go and, you know, talk to these people, talk to these specific people. I didn't know those people at the time. I didn't even know they existed, but... Uh, I remember there was there was a full year where I watched. Um, can I name drop? Is that okay? I, I watched what Chris Cooper does. Chris Cooper is a uh, he runs Two Brain Business, um, CrossFit Catalyst up in Canada. Um, I, I watched what he did uh, from kind of this like passive observer, and read his blogs and read his articles, and he even had books that I was reading. And so like, I became a a believer in kind of his system and how he did things. And when it came to like, let's talk about how I can work with you, Chris, uh, the price was irrelevant at that point. I really believed in what he did and how he could help our company turn the corner on some things. And so that was, you know, that was massive for me and I wish I could go back and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully other affiliates can learn from four year, four year old, four year ago, Charlie. Four year ago, Charlie. Four yeah. year ago, Charlie. That's what you call yeah. him. Um, but, and I think also what you said about like being passionate about it, really believing in mm -hmm. what you're selling, I think that can make the difference yeah. between success and not success with the CrossFit gym. So I think those are two really good ending points. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, oh, I, I think I remember what my oh, okay. Was. Oh, third, okay. maybe three good the ending points. The third thing, this one may be a little more of a downer. Um, oh, great. Yeah. Burp, burp. Um, <laughs> there isn't a time when you arrived. So like we, you don't just need 10 more members, right? It's easy to kind of get that temptation of, I really just got to try and find 10 more members, you know, because if I got 10 more members, then I'd have this much extra money and then we could do all these beautiful things. Um, but with each member, the cost of operating the company increases as well. Um, relative, the relative cost goes up. And so for us, we've, we've struggled recently with like figuring out the balance of how many people do we need versus what kind of structure and systems can we use to maximize these people. Um, not trying to get every dollar we can out of each individual person, but understanding like this is this, this experience. So we have like a time where people can come and leave their kids with us and we'll watch their kids for them. Uh, while they go work out. That eliminates a, uh, a potential excuse that people would give uh, for not coming and working out. Um, and that is something that we're charging for now, uh, where we didn't before. Um, because as we were looking at our bank sheet and look at all this stuff, like that was losing us $1,500 a month. Wow. I was paying essentially $1,500 a month to make sure that these people didn't have to pay for their childcare. And so um, changing the structure of how that works uh, in turn should, and we we're on the beginning of this experiment, should recover that $1,500 a month for me. So instead of having to add, you know, 12 new members to the gym, I needed to cr optimize that one program and, set, and set, change it so that it saves me money instead of having to spend that money. Um, and so... You know, what we found over the past at least six months for us is the situation isn't just we need more members, which is the temptation. It was the temptation for me at the beginning of the gym. I was like, okay, all I need is 50 people. Give me 50 people and I've got uh, my bills paid and my paycheck, you know, and that's not the case because each person that comes in costs money too, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and I think I think that's sometimes hard for people to grasp, like, you think that once you get to a certain point, you can just sit back and mm -hmm. relax and enjoy the ride. And yeah. I think especially for entrepreneurs, it's just never that case because there's always something to continually better, to continually mm -hmm. grow in. And 
complacency isn't really an option if right. you want to meet success. Yeah, you got that river pulling you down towards terrible. <laughs> got to keep paddling. Gotta you keep just paddling. can't stop or build a motor. Yeah. So, <laughs> so well, awesome. Well, great. Well, uh, Charlie, was there anything else that you know? You're, you should tell your story. Tell my story. You should tell your story. What? About how you started doing CrossFit. How I started doing CrossFit. Oh, I guess, yeah, since you're here, might as well. Mm-hmm. But so I started with Box Pro, uh, I don't know, about a year and a half ago or mm-hmm. something. And um, I actually didn't even know what CrossFit was when I started writing for Box, Box <laughs> Pro. Yeah, I, there were a couple of magazines with our media company. And um, I was an intern, little intern. And I decided I wanted to do some video for Box Pro and, you know, go around the CrossFit gyms and start getting to know CrossFit gyms around the city of Louisville. That's where we're based. And uh, the first gym I went to was actually Charlie's. And I met him and talked to your wife, Carrie, about mm-hmm. their their mother's class. It was like a, pro, a program for mothers of, what, two, two-year-olds and under or yep. something like that? Yeah. New mom's class. New yeah. mom's class. And, I mean... That was the first time I'd ever walked in a CrossFit gym. It was like a hot summer day. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was just out of college. And Charlie was like, you should come do CrossFit. <laughs> and I went, I'll think about it. As a, as a, you can't work for a CrossFit <laughs> magazine and not do CrossFit. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm doing that right now and it's going okay. <laughs> um, and I remember him saying, like, you know, one of the biggest factors to choosing CrossFit gym is the community. Mm-hmm. And you will drive across town to go to CrossFit Box. Because I told him, well, I think there's one closer to me than yours. And he, and he told me that. And I don't know, it might have taken three more months. And I finally signed up for the foundations class. And I literally have never gone back. And mm-hmm. CrossFit has changed my life. And I am a believer. And so now when I'm <laughs> on the phone with affiliates and they ask if I do CrossFit, I can probably tell them, yes, I've been doing it for about a year. Mm-hmm. And I know all the lingo and like what AMRAP means. And it's... <laughs> It's great. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it's cool. So I think that just comes back to the fact that, I mean, CrossFit uh, boxes, affiliates are, are changing lives. And I think that's probably the neatest part about this fitness regimen mm-hmm. is that it is in fact, um, in its own way, changing the world. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that's something Chris Cooper, uh, when we've talked, he, he wants to change the world and CrossFit is one of those ways, you know, to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Charlie, thank you so much uh-huh. for uh, taking time to come today and yeah. uh, chat on Box Talk, but we really appreciate having you. Thanks for having me. Bye.